Father, this morning we just come to you. We need the knowledge about God and we need the knowledge of God. As we look into your word, which is the knowledge about God, I pray the spirit of God would work in us, speak to us. You're looking at the life of a man who lived thousands of years ago. But looking at how you dealt with him, you are speaking to us now that you are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. That you never change. That's why we study the people in the Bible so that we will know the ways of our God, the unchanging God, the ever-faithful God. Help us not to go from this place each time we gather with a head full of knowledge, but to know you are the same. And by faith, we can receive your power, your grace into our lives and walk with you. And see the blessings of God pursue us and the miracles of God unfold through us. Teach us your ways. Show us your paths. It's our prayer too, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Lord. Commit everyone here and everywhere into thy hands. And as we minister your word, as I minister your word, I pray your word will minister unto them. For it is written, I send forth my word and heal them of their infirmities. We believe and we confess power of the word is still the same. It has never changed. It will never change. So speak to us, Lord, for in Jesus' name we pray. <clears throat> amen and amen and amen. We turn to the book of Judges. We are there with Gideon. In the book of Judges, we have around 12 judges, but the most important, of course, are Gideon and Samson. At least that's the two names everybody knows. So we know the angel of the Lord comes and makes this declaration. The Lord is with you, mighty man of God, mighty man of valor. And then he has this question. <clears throat> and that's the questions we have been dealing with for the few days. In verse 13, he asks this question. Okay. The screen is okay, right? Okay. Okay, I was wondering why suddenly. Okay. Because yesterday it was a Democrat, today is a Republican. <laughs> so, okay. okay, it's a red screen. Okay. <clears throat> Gideon said to him, Oh my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all these things happened to us? Right? These are questions everybody asks. Every believer goes through this phase, especially when you go through real trials and real testing. Okay. And we start questioning the goodness of God. Lord, why are these things happening? If you are with us, we look at, okay, pastors come and preach. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Cast all your burdens. I've been casting, casting, casting. <laughs> all I know inside, I'm just downcasting. <laughs> Nothing seems to be happening. Nothing seems to be changing, Lord. Why are these things happening to us? Where are your miracles? 
Meaning, why are you not intervening in my life? That's basically Lord. I'm crying out to you, but I don't see you intervening. And this is a cry in the world, right? Like the oppressed nations, the church in the oppressed nation have been crying this for years and years and years. But when the pandemic came, the oppression became global. So the church everywhere is crying out. The others can't cry. The Buddhist doesn't cry out to Buddha, why don't you heal me? They don't know that. They have no experience. The Muslim cannot is Ramsan season, but he doesn't cry out for healing. As far as mankind knows, whether of whatever religion, there's only one healer. <laughs> one healer. It is Jesus. Okay, it is Jesus. So people are saying, Lord, what is happening? You know, what is happening? Okay. And the saddest, the most saddest part in the in the so called free world is what COVID did is People had to see their loved ones die and not be even there to bury them. To bury them. Okay. Even this morning I was hearing one of those big names and he was saying that when his wife got COVID, he was not allowed to accompany her to the hospital. She had to go alone. And go alone. You know, and I was I heard him and I said, Why? I wasn't alone. I was with her. Okay. Thank God for India, for all said and done, you can squeeze your way through into the COVID war too. Okay. And we heard uh, one of our friends uh, called and said, oh, you were in the COVID war? Two days, I was close by. I didn't know you were there. Okay. But what I'm saying is a tragedy, what this epidemic has done. No epidemic has done. <clears throat> and out of ignorance, practically out of ignorance, yes, it is dangerous, but Governments also became used their power and authority to that's to to cow down the people to control the people and the cry is going on. Now, when your loved one dies, your spouse dies, your children die, your parents die, and you're not allowed to see the dead body, you're not allowed to be there at the burial. People do ask, Lord, where are you? Where are your miracles? Don't you care anymore? Is the question. No? <clears throat> and we need to understand often our situations or rather our circumstances, situations can be absolutely contrary to our faith. That's our struggle. See, this doesn't affect people who do not have faith. We know the stories in our own city last year when children brought their parents dumped them in the COVID ward, and they ran away and said, we don't want. Okay, so these are questions primarily people who have, everybody has this general question, but it is not the same way. It's not the same way. When a man of faith or a woman of faith asks this question, they have a history, maybe a personal history or a history of the church, a history of faith, and says, Lord, what you said and what's happening doesn't, Meet at all. It's so contradictory. Imagine at the age of 75 when Abraham entered the promised land, he was given a blessing. 25 years it took place. He had to wait before that blessing became a reality, before Isaac was born. So he struggled. Okay? It, it's not, it is not easy, you know. I mean, if you walk with God alone like Enoch, it is easy. But when you have to live in a community like Abraham, what's your name? Exalted Father. And where are your children? Father of nations. It is not enough exalted father. You come and change your name and make it father of nations and you don't even have a child. Okay. You don't even have a child. No. 
It's like, imagine Pastor Vijay is totally defeated, broken, full of wounds. And what's your name, Vijay? <laughs> Why don't you change your name? Hmm? It sounds like Vijay, for those who don't understand abroad, means victory. You know? That's the question Gideon is asking. You know, sometimes that's what happens, right? Moses, prince of Egypt, called to deliver Israel. 40 years like a fugitive, living behind, away from the Pharaoh in a desert, serving his father-in-law. Okay. Yet he's absolutely sure he was the one who was called. Divinely protected. Called, chosen, but hiding. What you heard, what's happening, there is no, it doesn't match. That is when these questions arise, Lord. If you are for us, why are these things happening to us? Like two dreams, fantastic dreams. You're preparing to be crowned. You end up as a slave for 13 years. What is that you saw or heard and what is happening in your life? You know? That's why we looked at it on, on today, Thursday, right? On Tuesday. We may ask, God doesn't care. I don't think you care anymore. Maybe he cares for someone else, but not for me. I feel like quitting. Okay, and this is what believers have to fight. Or we can, I mean, just think for today is the 15th day of April, 4th. That means three and a half months of this year is over. Do you know all our New Year resolutions? Did we keep one? Keep one? You know why? Because... The world and the church is full of quitters. It does not matter if you quit on your New Year resolutions, but you cannot quit on faith. Quit on faith. Okay? Cannot quit on faith. There are two things, two terms used in heaven. One is the term in the Word of God. One is the term called heaven, which more more or less also means a place where we will all go. When you are saved, that's where you are going. There is some other another term which is used, the kingdom of God, which is not heaven, which is connected with your purpose. You could end up in heaven having completely missed your purpose. That is why the walk of faith is so important. It is so important. That's why we study all these people. Don't miss your purpose. Don't miss your purpose. I feel like quitting, like all of them. Moses felt like quitting. He's so disappointed, so discouraged, so down. When God speaks to him, he says, no, I can't send somebody. It took only one defeat. One defeat. One small little city called I, town called I, one defeat. Joshua was willing to quit and go back. He said, why? Could have better to have died. He sounded like the previous generation. He was part of that generation anyway. And he starts, sounded like them. We know in First Kings 19.4, Elijah just wanted to die. He just wanted to die. He said, I'm no better than my father's. I want to quit. Right? Absalom turned against David. David just fled. And then when he heard Absalom died, he just wanted to die. You know? These are the things which we need to understand. And the man of all men, I'm not talking about Jesus. He was the man. Then after him, we look at Paul, right? Acts 20, 27 and verse 20. 
Now when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest beat on us, all hope that we would be saved was finally given up. Who is this? He also gave up hope. That's why the angel had to come. That's why the angel had to come. The next verses will say, the angel of the Lord comes and tells him, you will not die for your sake. I have given everybody's life. Even he gave. After long, Paul, men, you should have listened to me. And then he talks about the angel coming over there. You know what? Even Paul gave up. <laughs> Lost all hope. Because everything is contrary to you. You are caught in the middle of the ocean. There is no sea. There is no, you are not going anywhere. And day after day after day after day after day. You know? So God says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. Be steadfast in faith. Isaiah 49 and verse 19. Isaiah 49, verse 19. <clears throat> For your waste and desolate places. Did I get it wrong? Okay. Okay, leave it, leave that alone. I got it wrong. Okay, I see, let's look at Isaiah 46, 9 and 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning, from the ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, I will do all my pleasure. See, in all what they were going through, these people, what they forgot was that God's purpose for you and me never changes. We can lose it. It never changes. It never changes. God's purpose for Moses, Abraham never changed. It was to birth the child through Sarah. His purpose for Jacob never changed. Purpose for Moses never changed. For Joshua never changes. It doesn't change for anybody. And the purpose of God for every man in Christ is victory. It's not defeat. It's always victory. It is not. There is no purpose for God for a child of his which is defeat. There's no defeat. And that's what the word of God say. I see a 40. Verses 27 and 28. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my just claim is passed over by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. Okay, And then comes the next verses. We know, very familiar, 29. To 31. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. This is the key. See, waiting on the Lord is not difficult if everything is going for you. Waiting on the Lord when nothing is going for you and everything is going against you. Is what is difficult, but that is where you are asked to wait. Asked to wait, you know. But the key is this: God never changes, never changes. It is totally contrary to His character for Him to say something and then say it will not come to happen. If it does not come to happen, it is because not that God changed His mind. We gave up. We quit. Therefore, God's delays are not his denials. You have to keep, you know, 
they got me delay things like yesterday i'm not mentioning in public we had a huge breakthrough huge breakthrough it was not one or two years it's been going on for six years a battle we refused to budge stood our ground 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 the pressure was intense you don't understand the pressure that was upon me because it was so intense that if it if if it had not resolved the way it went it would have frozen me literally unable to do anything because that's what they can do but we refused to budge and so many solutions were offered which was the easy way out I said no that's not a way out will not opt for it and then yesterday you see it's all gone all gone okay six years is not a small thing <laughs> okay notice after notice the intimidation 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 okay and this is not just ordinary notices this is with the ashoka chakra government of india it's not as ordinary thing it's okay but you refuse to budge because you know that it is wrong and you are not you are in the right and there's a wrong way to get out of it and everybody is saying take that way out it's over it's finished it's a easy way out you know but you have to hang in there you cannot budge easy way is out you see once you take the easy way out you know what happens you could even lose your purpose even lose your purpose okay so in this battle please understand god's delays are not his denials when you ask god will say yes he will say no this too we can understand yes okay thank you lord no okay lord it is wait which is difficult the third answer wait how long is the cry right but we must allow god to work out the timing in this case it is 7 years Seven years. Okay, it's only three months. Not even three months into a new administ- administ- administration in US, and already the believers are asking, "How long?" <laughs> only three months. <laughs> How long? Okay. So perspective is important. Second Corinthians chapter four, sixteen and seventeen. We looked at it many times, but again. Four, sixteen, and seventeen. Therefore, we do not lose heart. What is that? We do not lose heart, <clears throat> even though our outward man is perishing. Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Why do we lose heart? We lose heart only when we don't see the inward man being renewed. That's why it is important. The inward man has to be renewed. If the inward man is not being changed. the conformity of the character of christ we will lose heart we will lose heart okay when do we lose heart why is paul not losing heart will people all around him are losing heart including demas who goes back to the world because inwardly nothing is changing that is why i said it's not knowledge it's more than knowledge and peter knew you alone have the words of life knowledge has to be translated into life like no we have all these gadgets here okay if we do not know how to operate it it is just useless okay so in the beginning in the beginning it's not the beginning of genesis 1 but in the beginning there was same <laughs> okay <laughs> there is same okay and the knowledge the knowledge 
was translated into life and suddenly we are live streaming. Honestly, none of us knew how to do it. None of now there are many experts here. But in the beginning there was only Sammy. <laughs> okay. You know what knowledge became life? Knowledge became life. You know, because why I'm saying is I have seen Facebook live streaming of pastor's phone is held upside down. You have to look at the pastor this way. Okay. All kind of things happening. Okay. All kind of things happening. You know why? They don't have correct knowledge. They are struggling. Okay. So you need to understand that. <laughs> some is upside down. Some is sideways. Okay. All kinds of streaming is going on. But what is the whole purpose? We have the knowledge of God. It has to become life. And life is inside the inner man. If he is not being transformed, we will lose heart. We will lose heart. That's why I said the old covenant principles, the old covenant stories don't look at it the same way in the new covenant. In the old covenant, if their outward situation did not change, they were perishing. Perishing. That's why he's asking. The Midianites are coming. Our harvest is all gone. If God is for us, the miracles. Why is this happening? The new covenant, that is not the situation. Like I said, you're going through something. You need to ask yourself, Lord, why am I going through? Is it sin? Is it ignorance? Both are killers. Or is it because of righteousness? Everything Paul went through was because of righteousness. And most of God's saints have gone through. It's because of righteousness. Not because of wickedness. So when we go through something through righteousness, the question to be asked is that as I'm going through this, Lord, is your plan, is it working? Am I changing? Am I becoming more like you? Am I becoming a more kind, more patient, more perseverant? Yesterday we heard about perseverance, endurance. The most important thing people do not realize in the kingdom of God, after salvation, everything, this thing, the most important thing is in he who endures till the last, not till Jesus comes, till the end of your life. Okay. All the promises in the new covenant are those who continue in the faith. Not just to believe it once. Continue in the faith. To continue in the faith, what does it mean? You need endurance. You need endurance. Faith is, faith is not a hundred meter dash. It is a marathon. It is a marathon. Okay. It's not even a, just a marathon. It is like the other race, the hurdles. Different kinds of hurdles. And you know, you need endurance. And that's what the Bible is talking about. So this one thing said, you know, don't lose heart. Don't lose heart. Okay. Because God is working. God is working in us. Okay. So we have to understand the difference. Perspective, right? The outward and the inward. Okay. The outward and the inward. We have a doctor in our midst. When you go to a doctor, especially a surgeon, you will mess up your outward to get it to your inside. He will mess up your outside to get into your inside. That's why he has to put you to sleep. Otherwise, you will, you will not allow him to mess your outside up because you are very careful about the outside. So what do they give you? One knock. One small or two injections. And either you are paralyzed that time and you have no clue they are really cutting you apart. But why is he cutting, messing up your outside? To get to your inside and fix it. God will mess up our outward circumstances to, so that he can fix your inside. And unless we get that right, we will not understand what is happening in our life. That's what exactly he's saying. Okay. 
He will mess up our circumstances. Okay, why? Because he wants to get into our inside. And he says, you know what? Do you understand what salvation is? Salvation is the salvation of your soul. And that's what he asks you. You rich fool. Oh, I have so much. I'm going to, I'm going to expand. I want to merge my companies. He said, you fool. Do you know you're going to die today? You're going to die today? Do you know the state of your soul? State of your soul? Do you not understand, you know? Why didn't God stop Jezebel and strike her dead? How dare you threaten? Because to teach Elijah. Teach Elijah. Elijah, you're still weak. Still weak. Still weak. Okay. Still weak. People were all learning lessons through it all. Moses is learning. Joshua is learning. Elijah is learning. They're all learning lessons. Even, even. Paul is learning. In Corinthians, he will say one day and one night. I mean, if you go through the book of Acts, the last portion we were reading about over there, you will see what he went through. To a point, he has to cling on to a piece of wood for a day and a night. He's going through it all. But when he comes to this point, he gives up hope. And God's angel comes and says, don't give up hope. Don't give up hope. Then finally they end up in an island called Malta and then again a viper bites. Okay. okay. But now he's ready because he's heard the word of God again. It's not over yet. And he just flicks the viper into, into the... So he says, don't be moved by circumstances or what people say. When you're going through these things, people will say, oh, he must have truly been a wicked man. <laughs> One minute. Next minute, he's a god. He said, don't listen to these people. Okay, It's like, it's continuous. Whether you are an apostle or whether you are a blind man, Bartimaeus, shut up or the Lord is calling you. <laughs> okay? <laughs> Immediately, the flip like a coin. Okay, So God says, don't be moved by your circumstances. Don't be moved by the opinions of people. Just stay steadfast because God is trying to get into that real, real person. There's a real person, the person who is being saved, who is being sanctified. So God has to get us to see life differently. Okay? Then only you can be an overcomer. Okay? And second thing over there, for our light affliction, which is but for a moment. Okay, we'll say, Paul, it's only for you, not for me. But it is actually, if you, I mean, if you look into eternity, it's just a moment, is working for us. Second question you need to ask is that, are my afflictions working for me? Our afflictions are supposed to work for us. We are not to work, we are not supposed to work for our afflictions. Our afflictions are supposed to work for us. Okay. Are my afflictions working for me? Okay. We know Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Really? I mean, is there some tablet you can buy which you take it and you become a loving and patient person? God says, no. It is your afflictions that will make you patient. Make you afflictions. Okay, it is affliction. That is what will make you kind. Not that it automatically makes you suddenly realize, you know what? You, know, you, you have to be. You have no choice. You have to be a choice. You know, Joseph did not automatically become patient. He became patient as a slave because he had no choice. You are a slave. You have no rights. Be patient. Endure patiently. Okay, so he was a slave. And he thought, I am patient and good enough for God. It's not, not good enough for me. You're good enough for yourself. So he said, it's not enough. You know, From here, I'm going to throw you into the dungeon. 
Now you are not just a slave, you are a prisoner. Okay, but by the time he comes out, he's patient and he is kind. You see, if you looked at the outward man, he was being gripped into pieces. But if you looked into the inward man, he was being transformed from glory to glory. That's the question God is asking. Are your trials working for you? That's a question. Right? Jeremiah 18. Verses 1 onwards. So we know that very okay. Even Jeremiah has, he's a weeping. He's a man who all forever crying. The word of the Lord came to Jeremiah from the Lord say, Arise, go down to the potter's house and there I will cause you to hear my words. Meaning God can't speak to him. He says, no, I'm speaking to you. I'm not getting it. So I need to show you practically what I'm trying to tell you. Then I went to the potter's house and there he was making something at the wheel. The vessel that he he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me by saying, O house of Israel, can I not do with you as this potter? Says the Lord. Look, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my house, O house of Israel. What is he saying? You you, you go back to verse uh, 3. Right? He was making. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again into another vessel as it seemed good to the potter to make. You know what is interesting in verse 4? He's making, he's got the wheel and he's making this thing and the vessel did not come out well. So what did he do? He took the clay and he threw it and he made another vessel. No, the clay was the same. He never changed the material. He never changes the person. He will, you mess up, he will still turn you into something else. Vessel doesn't change. The material doesn't change. The material is still the same. He's saying, what the potter did to the clay, can I do to you, Israel? That's where his question, we are forsaken. God says, you're not forsaken. I'll fix you. I'll fix you. I don't forsake my children. I don't forsake. I don't want you. I'll pick another one. God doesn't do that. He didn't do it with Adam. He has done it with none of his children. That's a, that's the lesson Jeremiah is getting. He's saying, you know what? The potter didn't take the clay and throw it out and make a new one with new. He said, no, he said, he used the same person and made him into a new man. Okay. That's the answer to Gideon's question. God said, don't I have the freedom to do it with Israel? If the potter has this thing, I haven't abandoned Israel. I have not abandoned Israel. I am shaping Israel. He hasn't abandoned anybody sitting over here. He hasn't. Oh, I have been abandoned. A lot of people think I have been abandoned. No, you have not been abandoned. God has not forsaken anybody. God is working on everybody to make them into something else. So the question is, are you overwhelmed? Your situation around the world, anywhere, whatever you are going through. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 30. No temptation has overtaken you. Temptation there has test, trial, as except such as, as is common to man. But God is faithful. That's what Paul will say. God is faithful. Even when we are unfaithful, He's still faithful. Why? Because He cannot deny Himself, meaning He cannot change His character. That's His nature. We are all sitting here because God's character doesn't change. <laughs> we are all sitting and flaunting ourselves. You know why I'm sitting here? Because my character is changing. 
Glory to glory, God says no. <laughs> you are sitting here because my character did not change. Okay, my character. He will not allow you to be tempted or tested beyond what you are able. But with the temptation, he will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Isn't it true? That's why the oldest book in the Bible is the book of? Because no man probably ever in history went through so much testing in the shortest period of time. That's the key. Others have gone through much. But never in the... Which man do you hear in one day lost everything? Children? All your children? All your wealth? One day you are the richest billionaire. Next day you are a pauper. Everything is gone. All your slaves are gone. All your children are gone. All your wealth is gone. The next thing what you have is head to toe, you are sick. Nobody has been tested like that. And the question is, is he being tested because he's a sinner? No. Is he being tested because he's ignorant of the ways of God? No. He's being tested only because he's righteous. Only he's being righteous. That's why I said our response should be very, very careful. How do we respond? So if any man could have been overwhelmed, Job should have been overwhelmed. So many. Paul should have been overwhelmed. But you will see the grace of God was with them. And they were not overwhelmed. So when you are going through your situations, remember, why do we need this? Because these are the promises which we hold on to which, through which life comes. His divine power has given us everything pertaining to life and godliness. How? Through his precious and exceedingly great promises. Through those promises, we partake of his divine nature and escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. If you don't have a promise, you cannot partake of his life. That's why we need promises. Promises for every trial and testing that we go through. So when we go through a trial and you feel you're getting overwhelmed, you go back and say, you know what, it is written. It is written. I will not lift my circumstances. I will not lift my feelings. These are two different, two other dangerous things. The circumstances and your feelings. If you react to the circumstances with your feelings, you will go start going down. It's not the circumstances. It's not a circumstance. It's your response that will determine the outcome. And our more biggest enemy is our feelings, our emotions. And that's what the Bible says. That's where faith comes. In faith, there is no feelings. There's hardly any feelings in faith. Because faith is saying, you know what? It is written, so it is. And I will stand on my faith. I'll stand on what is written. And God has magnified his word. Okay, so we need faith and we need promises. We need promises to stand. And here are people standing. And Romans 8, verse 22. We are not overwhelmed because we have a promise. For we know... uh, 28, 28, not 22, 28, sorry. For we know all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are called according to his purpose. What is that? We have the comfort and the courage of purpose. That's why I said purpose is so important. Most people, most Christians live without purpose. They're good people. I'm not saying they're very good people. They are first stage one. The good, pleasing, perfect will of God. They're good people. Actually, you you enjoy time with good people than with perfect people. Because perfect people have no time for you. They're absolutely set on their purpose. Think about it in a classroom. Think about a classroom. There are 50 students in a classroom. Two are stews, you know, nerds. They're not interested in anything. They're only interested in study. Do you want a company? Even if you want it, they don't want your company. 
they don't want your company because they are very clear this is my purpose this is where i am going and i am not interested in your activities <laughs> okay on the other hand there is a fellow his father has got plenty of money he just sent him to get a degree and take over my company he comes with his wallet full he is a joker he will take everyone to the canteen he will buy them whatever they want everybody loves his company is he perfect no he is good that fellow is perfect we will also see often in church we enjoy the company of good people <laughs> <laughs> good people. I am not saying perfect people are bad. Actually, they are really good. They are excellent. But the problem is when the trial and the testing comes, good people fall apart. Because they do not have the courage, the endurance of a purpose. They must fall away because they do not have a purpose. Saul of Tarsus, Apostle Paul, never fell away. You know what? He was absolutely clear of his purpose. The day he gave me the vision, I'm still faithful to that purpose, that call of God. Okay, That's the key. The key is that the good people should become perfect, meaning they should move into purpose. Because purpose is important because that gives us the courage. See, everybody says, but now it has become because we keep on sending, telling everybody, I shall not die, but do the works of the Lord. But many of them die. Why? Because they don't know what the works they are supposed to do. They had no purpose. So it's not a casual statement. These are not casual statements. These are statements by men of God who had purpose in their life. And they said, you know what? The purpose is not fulfilled. I will not die. I will not die before my time. I am going to die because I know my purpose. He has spoken to me. He has made it very clear. Or else I am a child of God. I have been asking God. I am young. I am asking God. I have been praying to God. Purpose has not been revealed. But I know there is a purpose because there is nobody in the kingdom of God without purpose. Purpose has not been revealed. Even for for uh, Joseph, it was at 17. It was not at 16. At 16, he did not know his purpose. But he was still the man who was chosen. Though he did not know it. So if you are a young person or an older person who does not know his person, but you are chosen, you will still say, I will not die because I have a purpose, but I don't know my purpose. It will be revealed to me at my appointed time. I will not die. Because there is nobody in the kingdom of God without a purpose. No, we, are just, we are not just floating in the sea. We are sailing with purpose. That is the key. That's the key. A lot of people just floating. And your age is irrelevant. People think, oh, but now, but Moses understood his purpose only at the age of 80. Right? Aaron understood his purpose. Till 83, Aaron did not even know he had a purpose. Moses at least knew at 40. His brother had no clue. At 83, he understood his purpose. You know what my purpose is? 83 years living, not even knowing you had such a, such an exalted purpose in your life. You are to be the first High priest from the tribe of Levi. And you didn't even know. You didn't even know. 83 years. He lived without knowing his purpose. And that is the, the greatest purpose. In the Israelite camp. The high priest. Moses will go. He will come and go. But the high priest will continue, 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 continue. Till today also there is a high priest. <laughs> there are high priests with their costumes. Moses never had a costume. But Aaron got. Twelve stones, Urim, Thummim, all that. Okay. But he did not know. Therefore, he did not die. He did not die. 
Okay, so we need to understand these things are important because this is connected with finishing our race. We are not just studying the story of Gideon. We are not just studying the story of Gideon. We are learning from these people and their lives. How does God operate? How does God operate? Because God only has children in the new covenant. It's only children. And he picks up ordinary people, simple people like Gideon, weak people like Gideon, and transforms them. Okay, so how do you respond? Hebrews chapter 10, verses 35 to 36. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. Don't cast it. Even if nothing happens, like the ship in which Apostle Paul is as a prisoner, just floating, going nowhere. You know? You know? How it is? I mean, even today it happens when engines fail, your radio fails, and the ship is just floating. Floating. Okay, now that was jammed. They could. This is, nobody knows where you are. You're just floating in the ocean. I mean, that's why I don't like the ocean. I told you I never liked the ocean because the ocean is like, it's just unending. It just goes on and and when it is still, see, we are in, we see usually in the shore, so we see the waves coming. But if you are in the middle of the ocean, there's no movement. It's just still. And you look everywhere around. The desert and the ocean. Everything looks the same. Imagine you are stuck there. Look, it's like the poet said, water, water everywhere. Not a drop to, you drink that water, you'll die. You will die. Stuck there. Going nowhere. Meaning, life is like that. Going nowhere. How was Monday? Like Sunday. How was Tuesday? Like Monday. How was Tuesday? Like Wednesday. Is it the same? Is every, everything the same? Nothing changing in my life. The problems are the same. The problems seem to be increasing in intensity. Nothing seems to be changing at all. God says, don't cast away your confidence. Hang in there. Don't give up. Don't give up. I've been praying. I've been fasting. I've been crying. Nothing. Because this is what Gideon is asking. If God is for us, why are these things happening to us? Our situation hasn't changed. Seven years. Every time we work on the ground, we dig, we do all these things, and then the harvest is ready. Midianites come and take it. Everything is gone. You know, the circle. I'm actually, if you look in the world, there's a circle. People are going, the circle of debt. They're going through. Because the entire world economy is framed on debt. It's on debt. Okay, on debt. But that's not the promise. That's not the promise. The promise is not debt. The promise is you shall be a lender. Shall be a lender. It's not debt. So we have to look at these things and say, Lord, I will not lose my confidence. Therefore, do not cast away your confidence, which has great reward. For you need, you have need of endurance. So that after you have done the will of God, you may receive the promise. You have to deal the. You cannot receive what was promised without doing the will of God. The will of God has to be done, and we all know what is the will of God in the new covenant. Everybody, common. This is the will of God: your sanctification. One sacrifice he has perfected everyone who is being sanctified. So if you miss out sanctification, you miss out the promise. What is the promise? Everyone who overcomes 
as I overcame and sits on my father's throne, shall sit with me and reign. That's a promise. That's a, the promise, even to Lavadisha. The key is this. Don't lose your confidence when these trials. Why? God is a surgeon. He's messing up your outside to fix your inside. And once the inside is fixed, he will fix your outside. And it is not the way the surgeon fixed. The surgeon will leave a scar. And God fixes your outside in the twinkling of an eye. You receive a new body. There is no scar. No scar. I believe the only scars you will have on your body are the marks you received for Christ Jesus' sake. I, I believe it will not be taken away. Paul will have all his bay because there's glory in heaven. It's not like here. Here we hide scars. There nobody hides you. Look at that. He got that for Christ. This guy said, Hello, thank you, brother. Thank you, brother. You, your life. No, this is glory there. I believe because Jesus carried that marks. It's a new body. It's a resurrected body. It's, that's the kind of body we are all going to get. But there were some marks he carried on his body. The stripes, I believe, the nose, and the side, he says, these are. And whatever we suffered for Christ, we will carry. And nobody will be ashamed of it. Will not be ashamed. So we have to see life differently. Because we don't see life differently, we will not endure. Because we have to endure. We have to do the will of God. And then we will receive the promise. Okay? So this is it. Don't throw away your confidence. Okay? How do you throw away confidence? By flipping to self-confidence. See, this is the subtlety of all. I haven't thrown away confidence. I will. You already went wrong. You already thrown away confidence. No confidence in the flesh. You cannot be self-confident. That is the world. You should never lose your confidence in God that he will work it out. Okay? Or like Dimas, you go to the world. Lots of people take the easy way out. Okay? Everybody doesn't end up in Mount Horeb like Elijah. After the, Most people end up in the bar. Is it true? They don't end up on Mount Horeb and have an encounter with God. No, they end up in the bar and they become alcoholics or they become drug addicts because this is the easy way out. They, in despair, they give up. They give up. It's easy to give up. You know? And that's what the Bible is talking about. Don't lose. Don't lose. Okay? Or what else do they do? They change their aim in life. That is Dimas. Okay? I believe Dimash became very successful in the world. He became very successful in the world. He just, okay, this guy is crazy. I, I, I just can't handle Okay, You want to do it, Paul, you do it. I just can't handle it. It's too much for me. I can't handle this. I can handle, can't handle the pressure of ministry. I've heard how many stories I've heard, I have read of pastors who left ministry and became very successful. And then years and years later, when the mentors meet them, they're very successful. But one-on-one, -on -one when they are, they start breaking down and they weep. And they said, what happened? You're successful. You got everything. He said, yeah, I'm successful. I got everything the world has to offer. But inside, I'm dead. Because I walked away from my purpose. Walked away from my purpose. That's how people cast away confidence. Walk away from the purpose. I'm not talking about ministry alone. Whatever your purpose is, you may go on another way. I mean, you look at Jonah. He was successful. <laughs> when he ran away from God, everything started falling into place. 
Boat is ready, birth is ready, money is ready, boat is sailing, everything. Everything is ready. The storm and everything and all is a different this thing. What for most people no storm comes. God just lets you go. Until you are ready. What storm was there for the prodigal son? He had a blast. No storm. He didn't even fall ill. At least we had fallen into good hour, cried like our people. Ma, I want to go home. Mama. He didn't fall ill. <laughs> if he had fallen ill, he would have got, he didn't fall ill. He had to finish all his money. End in poverty. That is when he came to his senses. Okay. So please don't think, look at this and say, oh, this, this one hat fits all. No, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Therefore, the questions matter. The questions matter, okay? And God does not have issues with us asking questions. Please don't misunderstand. God does not have asking. You see, one person can ask the same, why have the, all these things happened to us in unbelief? Another person can ask the same thing in faith. Okay. Zachariah. <laughs> when you preach together for a long time, you already preempt what is coming. Zachariah asked, in unbelief. So he was mute until he saw the evidence. Mary asked the same question. It was not a question in unbelief. It was, I don't understand. But let it be unto me according to your word. She asked the same question in faith. The other person, an older man, a priest, a Levite, who had access to the holy place, had unbelief. The young girl, <laughs> teenage girl, who never had any access to any of these places, had faith. But both ask the same question. So God is not saying you should not ask questions. No. You can ask questions. But the question is, are you asking in unbelief? You are asking in faith. I don't understand. But you know what, Lord? I believe you. I believe you never change. And I believe one thing. Above all, you need to believe this thing. God is good. It's the most difficult thing to believe. You have to believe. Even when... Nothing is going for you. Everything is going against you. Let me tell you, God is good. And he's not just good. He's good all the time. That is what it means God has not changed. If my circumstances determines God's character, what kind of a God is that? That is why pagans have so many gods. They cannot, a pagan cannot survive with one God. Because his circumstances is changing and as his circumstances he picks his God. You need to understand it's just the human rational reasonable thinking. Okay? You have a goddess for wealth and you have goddess for wisdom but your child is weak in studies. What is wealth going to do? Your father has got plenty of money. You are not going to worship this. You are going to this one. Your circumstances will... That's why. You look into pagan culture, Greek or any pagan culture, they have a God for every situation. Every situation. The funniest part of Indian religion and gods is that. Like we in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. So what is the first revelation of God? He is the... You go through India, do you find one temple for the creator? No, he's not. He's completely ignored. No temple for Brahma. Nothing for the creator. Because you created me, we don't need you. We are looking at the next fellow. <laughs> you got nothing more in my life. Your work is finished. Now there is a sustainer. 
So the sustainer is all the avatars. Then there's another one who destroys. So he appears, don't destroy me. Everything is connected with the other fellow. You see how the mind, the rational human mind works? Okay. It's one of the funniest things. I mean, I have a travel length and breadth of India. Till today, I have not. I think there is one temple is what I heard. Yeah, One temple for the creator. But I don't think anybody goes there. Anybody goes there. You see, his wife gets more attention than him. His wife gets more. You know who is his wife? His wife is Saraswati, the goddesses of wisdom. His wife gets so much attention, so much attention, he doesn't get any attention at all. But everybody wants wisdom, so they go to her. Okay. So, I mean, it's the same thing all around the world, the pagan culture, the gods' names have changed. No, the same thing. It's like Yeshua became Jesus, anglicized form. Pagan gods also change their names here and there. Okay. So, Please understand, this is the key. This is the key. You have to understand, why am I going through what I am going through? Am I a man or a child of purpose? And God comes and tells what he told Gideon to all of us. He says, God is with you, mighty man. Well, he doesn't say that to us. He says, God is in you, mighty man and woman of valor. Meaning, even if you want to get rid of him, he's not going to go away. You are his You are born again of your spirit. Okay. Think all the children sitting here. Is there any way? Have you ever heard about any baby going back into the womb? Not possible. Simply not possible. It is not possible. No baby has ever gone back to the womb. Okay. So God is not just telling us God is with us, which he is. He's telling us God is in you. Christ is in you. Therefore, you are more than a conqueror. You cannot fail. Cannot fail. It is impossible. Cannot fail. And we have to take that and say, you know what? I will not fail. I cannot fail. You know why? Because Christ in me has never been defeated. That's the entire secret of Paul's life. He nailed it. He said, the life that I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I no longer. You know, when we fail, when I we live. Even when I fail, Christ in me is never failing. Christ is never defeated. I am defeated. (laughs) Christ identifies with me only when I am walking by faith. When I am walking by sight, he just detaches and says, you fall, I am not falling. I have never fallen, I will never fall. He never falls. He never falls. These are fundamental things which we need to understand. Okay, that is why this 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 uh, this struggle with the flesh. Okay, think about it. The flesh contends with the spirit, right? Galatians five, and the spirit contends with the flesh. How does the flesh contend with the spirit? Simply ask this question. No? I mean, we know scripture. How does it fight with the spirit? How do you know? Have you ever seen the flesh fighting with the spirit? Has anybody seen that? Because both are spiritual. Has anybody seen this battle? You know what that battle is? When the spirit tells you something, wonderful arguments the flesh comes with. It's arguments. That is what Paul was talking about. The flesh is actually brings an argument. When the spirit says endure, the flesh will give you ten reasons why you don't have to endure and there is an easy way out. It's very 
powerful arguments with all the arguments of the world in reason logically put together with the power supply also he will give you how you can escape no it's arguments the flesh has a very powerful voice very powerful voice and the more we listen to that voice the more we go that way you know there are a lot of young people to young people over here right a lot of young people in our in our teenagers okay let me tell you many of them are talented or if not all of them are talented but they know the enough of the word by now they did not know the word it would have been okay but they know enough because they grew up you know, saturated in the word so now the issue is that they won't give their talents for god they have talents but they won't give it for god fully committed they won't give it because they also have all the other argue they know it very well i want to use my talents on the other side i don't want to give it one day i will give it so you know what they are neutral you are neutral they know both sides and there's a contention and in the contention it is not it is not that the body is overcoming them the arguments are overcoming there are arguments arguments no because how do i know because i have this camera this watches so i know the difference in which these children study and they are watching movies though i cannot make out what movie it is so i can make out to the screen and i will see the attention with which they watch movies <laughs> i wish the camera picked up sound also <laughs> then i would have heard their oohs and ahs and ah and all that i could because i can make out from their expression body movements i can make out their sounds you see this is our issue okay so and you know what god does god leads us into the wilderness leads us. and we thought oh, pandemic is over covid is over it came back with virulent force and mutated into so many forms you think god does not know what is happening He says, "If I have to shut the whole world down once more, I will do it because I am not interested in the world. I am interested in my church, my people. I am interested in my people. If I have to shut the whole world down and crash the economy, I will do it. You know why? Because my people have to be sanctified. Have to be sanctified. You know. And if God has to do it, He will do it because we are looking at the outward. <laughs> But He is a surgeon. He will mess up our outward to get into our." inward you know why because we are all children with a purpose children with a purpose and if we do not have endurance and we miss his timing and we go into tribulation god knows god says he is shortening those days for even the very elect will not survive elect actually is third category called chosen elect even they won't survive because god knows our capacity how much we can endure he knows even the look at the portion we looked at acts 2720 right even paul gave up hope even he gave up hope we all gave up hope finally all hope we would be saved was finally given hope he gave up hope he said it's okay it's over my my mission is over my purpose is over you know what i'm going to die in the sea this is this is it i'm going to die in the sea so this is the key 
But all these things happen to these people so that we would learn that God never gives up. You know, if these things had not happened to the servants of God, the past 2,000 years, saints would not have endured in unbelievable situations and, and come out stronger. These things had to happen. So these are important pillars in God's kingdom. So we need to be very, very clear. Unlike what Gideon said, God delivers Israel into the hands of the Midianites, but he never forsakes his children. He never forsakes his children. Okay, He never forsakes his children. Why? Exodus 4 and verse 22. You shall say to Pharaoh, this, thus says the Lord, Israel is my son. Israel is my son. Israel is not illegitimate. Israel is my son. Hebrews 12, 5 to 6. Israel is my son. My firstborn. And what does it say? Have you forgotten this? Pastor Vijay looked at it recently. I think it was yesterday. Have you forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons? My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. You know what? In human history, for the past 4,000 years, not not 4,000 years, the past 4,000 years of human history, God never disciplined any nation except Israel. Never disciplined any nation. Because as far as he was concerned, they were all illegitimate. He let them fight their battles, do whatever you want, oppress, you do whatever you want. Let them go their way. You know, but Israel, he chastened them. Israel, he chastened them. He scourged them. He disciplined them. He scourged them. You know why? Because Israel was the son. Verse 8, Hebrews 12, 8. But if you are without chastening, of which you all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. That word is scary. You look at it and say, Lord, God says, do you want chastening or you don't want chastening? If you don't know half the words, you will say, I don't want chastening. God says, then you are illegitimate. I want his chastening. <laughs> I want to be legit. I want to be legit. Reason? Verse 11. Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So you have Jabin, you have Sisera, his 600 iron chariots, oppress them. They learn their lesson. Deborah, Barak, Jael all come. Land has rest for 40 years. You know why? Because they learned the lesson. Peaceable fruit of righteousness. They learn their lesson. They learn their lesson. Okay, so every generation goes through this. We have to learn these lessons. So Israel is my firstborn. Right? But problem is Israel is twelve tribes. Israel, the son, is twelve tribes. The whole is one son. Right? In time. Jesus comes 4,000 years later. But he is the actual firstborn. He is the actual firstborn. So, if you look at Israel's history, they have Jacob has 12 sons, but the 11th one came much later. 
but he becomes the firstborn. He becomes the firstborn, right? Jesus is the firstborn, but he comes 4,000 years later. Jacob is the first one. You can look at First Chronicles chapter 5 and verse 1. Joseph is the firstborn, though he comes 11 Eleventh, the sons of Reuben, the firstborn of Israel, he was indeed the firstborn, but because he defiled his father's bed, his birthright was given to the sons of Joseph, the son of Israel. So Joseph becomes the first. Why did I bring this suddenly in the middle? Because we need to understand where we are going. Okay. So Joseph is the firstborn, though chronologically he is the eleventh. Okay. And after Joseph, there is only one son, only Benjamin. Right. After Joseph, there's only one son. After Jesus, God has only one child, which is called the church. God doesn't have two children after Jesus. Only one child. The church is always seen as a whole. It is not has seen as individuals. Though we are individuals, the church is one child called the bride of Christ. So after Jesus, God has birthed only one child. After Joseph, there is only one child. Who is that? It is Benjamin. The problem is not with, uh, with uh, Joseph. Problem is with Benjamin. We saw in Genesis 35, verse 18 and 19, when Benjamin is born. So it was her soul was departing, for she died. She called his name Benoni, but his father called his name Benjamin. Benoni means son of my sorrow. Benjamin means son of my right hand or my strength. So this is the problem with Benjamin. He has an idolatrous mother and a righteous father. That's the truth about all of us. We have a righteous father and an idolatrous church into which, from which we were all born. Okay. It's, there's never been a perfect church. The church always has been idolatrous. That's what the church needs constant cleansing. So Rachel is an idolatrous woman. She carried her father's idols, hid on it and brought. That's why she dies. But Jacob is the righteous man. So Benjamin is born of a righteous man and an idolatrous woman. And that's the problem of Benjamin. He can be a man of sorrow, a man of strength. But remember when he's seated before Joseph, he is given five times over. He, Benjamin, is a recipient of grace. But the question is, will you use grace or will you waste grace? It's a simple question. Will you use grace or waste grace? Will you be a son of sorrow or will you be a son of strength? That is the choice everyone in the church has. Grace has been given. Will you use grace or abuse grace? First Samuel chapter 15 verses 10 and 11. 10 and 11. Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king. For he has turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. It grieved Samuel. He cried out to the Lord all night. What does the word of God say? Who's Saul? Benjamin. And God says it grieved. Technically, Benjamin, Saul should have done well. <laughs> and the promise what was given to Saul was the same promise given to David. You will have, your kingdom will last forever. Because of Benjamin. But he became a man of sorrow. He became a man of sorrow. So the pictures are there in the Bible. Philippians 3 verses 3 to 8. Another is Benjaminite. Okay. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the spirit rejoice and have no confidence in the flesh. 
though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin. So here is another man. He could have become, he began his life as a man of sorrows. He brought so much sorrow to the church. But he became a man of strength. Man of strength. Okay. That's the picture God is talking about. Everybody when God finds us, or when God finds us, when God finds a man or a woman, he finds them at that stage of Gideon. Fearful, weak. And God says, I set grace before you. You have a choice. You can become a man of sorrows, or you can become a man of strength. Because God has only two children. One is called Jesus Christ, the other is called the church. Joseph and Benjamin. After Joseph, there is only Benjamin. That's the choice we have to make. We can go, born of God, go into the world and become a man of sorrows. Though you may be having a blast for your father, you're a man of sorrows. Understand that. For God, you're a man of sorrows. Saul is having a blast. He's king. Things are all going. He's fighting everybody and all. But for God, he's a man of sorrows. He's grieving God. Okay. Saul is not grieving over God. God is grieving over Saul. So please understand the difference. Okay. It's not that the Christians are grieving. No. God is grieving. Because you have taken the grace and you have become a man of sorrows. And then the others who have taken grace have become the man of strength. And God sets grace before us. So that's where we have to look at these questions he asks. If God is for us, why are these things happening to us? The answer is, these things are happening to you because God is for you. Don't cast away your confidence. Hang in there. Don't miss your purpose. Don't look at the outward circumstances. Yes, outer circumstances may look really bad. Look inwardly. Otherwise, it does not. Like I said, God is like a surgeon. He messes up your outside so that he can get into your inside and fix it. And knows us. So we, we are, we hate that. That is why today we have so sophisticated keyhole surgery and all. You can come without a scar and everything. We are so painless. See, anything that has to touch our inside, we want it painless and with no scars at all. But God is not like that. He'll mess up your outside so that He can get into your inside and fix your soul up. Okay, And if you are a child, if you are a genuine, legitimate child, it will happen. It will happen. Otherwise, you are illegitimate. Illegitimate. And that's what God is talking about. Okay, So what we need is not a New Year, New Year resolution. What we need, need is a New Year revelation. God is for you. With the strength you have, go. And you will overcome as one man. You will overcome as one man. What is the strength he has? What is the strength Gideon has? And what is the strength everybody has? Have you noticed in the Bible, God never comes and speaks to an unbeliever? He warns them, don't touch this mind. This is only the thing. Okay? Think about it. I, mean, I find that very strange when Isaac and Abimelech, that incident, remember? I mean... This is what we need to understand. Sometimes people don't understand God, his mercy and his grace. Isaac tells a lie. Tells his wife, his sister. 
Abimelech in his straightforward thinking according to the culture and the laws of the land takes her. And God comes and threatens Abimelech. Right? You know what? That's not the way we want. God should come and threaten Isaac. Lalu, is it what you are supposed to do? Instead he threatens this fellow. Think about a situation like, you know, there is a criminal and there is a cop. The cop arrests the criminal and God comes and threatens the cop. Let him go. How would you, how would you factor this out? What God is saying, that's my kid. I'm fixing him. I see his end. You just leave him alone. You just leave him alone. That's my boy. He's not finished yet. Let me tell you something, Abimelech. I know how he will finish. And I know how you will finish too. It's not the same. You will be forever picking up other men's wives. This man will finish well. You will pick up any unmarried woman who comes in this country, you will pick her up. This man is my man. Don't judge him before his time. I know how we will finish. He's the author and the perfecter of our faith. Perfecter of our faith. So we have to look at God differently. God is not dealing with Gentiles. He's not dealing with pagan nations. God is even on earth right now. He's not dealing with nations. He's dealing with his church. And the church is spread around the world. Therefore, nations go through that. But God is dealing with his church. And if you're part of the living church, the believing church, God's body, then these things. So what we need is that, not a resolution, we need a revelation. What is that? With the strengths that you have. That's what I said. Whenever you see God speaking to somebody, if you look at Hebrews 11, we don't have to go there. The first person onwards mentioned, what is the first thing that is mentioned along with them? By, he never spoke to a man who did not have faith. It didn't matter the portion of, the, it could be a minute, you need an electron microscope to see his faith. Meaning, you have to get into the wine press to see Gideon's faith. If you are outside, you will never see his faith. You need a microscope to look into the wine press. Ah, this fellow has got little faith. The rest have no faith. This fellow has faith. God speaks to a man who has faith. Meaning, everyone has been given a measure of faith. And that's enough. With that faith, you go and I am with you. Faith that not that is not used is useless. You know why people are sitting like, uh, not use that word, like mannequins in a shop window going nowhere. Because they're not using their faith. It's not they don't have it. They don't use it. They don't use it. Everybody has it. Everything you need to be an overcomer is you already have it. What is that you have? Faith. It is by your faith. That you overcome the world. You are an overcomer. What do you need? A measure of faith. I have given it to you. That's enough. It is the faith of God. And it should be a faith that endures. That does not give up. That's why Jesus admires people with faith. Remember as we close and go to prayer. Remember that four men. Who brought the fifth man. They are attending a church service. Have you ever, it's the only place ever, I think, in history where somebody attended the church service through the roof. We have Eutychus in the window and everybody comes through the doors. These people came through the roof. 
You meaning, so what are they saying? We will not allow anything to stop us. This is our hour. He is here today. We are going to reach him. Okay, that's what. And you know, if you look at it, what happened over there, there's something that happened, which is different from all the miracles. <coughs> that man not only got healed, he got saved. Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. And then he said, pick up your mat and walk. He got healed. When your sins are forgiven, what happens? You're saved. Why? Because he saw their faith. He said, healed and saved. Go back home. You know why? I like faith. Church services where people come through the roof. Come through the roof. And that's all God is looking for. Because if you look over there, why did God pick Gideon? Because he's the only one who had a tiny little bit of faith. And that's why he asked these questions. God does not have issues with questions. Because your question, you will have only questions if you have been thinking about God. Moses had lots of questions. You know why? He's still thinking about God. You know why we don't have questions? Because we are not thinking about God. There are questions about every other subject. But we don't have questions that are related to God and why are these things happening because we are not bringing God into that picture. And when we have questions that are related to God, God says, you know what? I'm not against you. I'm with you. I'm with you. This is why these things are happening to you. Now go in the strength as one man. As one man. As one man. And I will deliver you. Okay? Because people think it is wrong to ask questions. No. You should ask God questions. You should ask God questions. But it should be questions that arises. Because you look into God, you have heard so much, you have understood his character, and then Gideon asked, Lord, if you are for us, and we have been given much more, much more, much more. You know? And like I said, above all, you should have that strength that comes from purpose. And so that's that's the incredible part, okay? Because when when we when I teach the other churches about angels, and uh, one thing I would say about Paul is that when he gave up hope, he gave up hope, floating in the ocean, see it's going nowhere. It looks like everyone gave up hope in that everyone is he too. That's the time God steps, angel comes, and tells him it's not over. It's not over. For your sake, your sake, what is that? I'm giving the life of everyone. And what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to stand before Nero. Caesar. Who is he going to stand before? Nero. The most, he's called the most evil man who ever lived probably in human history because he was mentally insane too. Most evil man. Evil man who ever lived. But you had to stand before him. And we will understand, Lord, but what is the point in standing before you? Because that's my purpose for you. Purpose for you. I was telling my wife in the morning. I already listened to three different preachers in the morning after my this thing. And I said, one of them was saying the difference between favor. Favor. He says, no. Uh, Mary is called highly favored. Right? He said, Please understand, when you have favor, that doesn't mean your life is easy. When you have favor, the sword will go through you. It will go through you. The sword will go through you. You are favored. Paul was highly favored. 
The apostles were highly favored. You know what? We think about favor and we are thinking about blessing and prosperity and all this. No, God says you've been chosen on mission. You're highly favored. The sword will go through you. You know, go through you. And we have to look at that. We have to look at the blessings. We looked at blessings. We looked at miracles. We looked at favor. There are different things. Okay, in life. But to the ones who are listening, this thing is that it's not over. It's not over. It's not over. We don't quit this fight. We're not giving up on this fight. Okay. We don't look at the COVID. We don't look at the wicked dispensation getting even more wicked and cruel. We don't look at it and we don't give up hope. No. The church is not going to go from this world in a whimper. When the church goes from there, she is going to go with a, with a triumphant sound. She's not going to go like that. And for that, we need to have that triumphant sound. Now, come, we'll pray. We need to have that triumphant sound now. We need a triumphant sound now. We need to look and say, Lord, I am not. I'm not worried about. I will take precautions that is needed. None of us are going to die before our time. Nobody. Unless you have no purpose. Like the lady I told in the aircraft coming back from Nepal. <laughs> You're not going to die. Turbulence, the plane was going like this, like this, like this. Everybody was screaming. She was telling, crying about her daughter. And said, you're not going to die. You're not going to die. How can we die, right? We are people of purpose. How can we die? Purpose is not over. You know? If the purpose of God can be taken away by COVID, what purpose is that? <laughs> no. You're not going to die. None of us are going to die. Nobody is going to die. We got purpose. You know? But through the COVID, we all had to go through it. I mean, it would look, like I said, it would look odd if we see whole world suffering, including Christians suffering with COVID, without realizing what they're suffering. We're standing from outside, outside, like, you know, outside, like, you know, like when you go to somebody's house where death has taken place, uh, you can theologically comfort them or you have experienced death very close to you, right? Today is April the 15th. My child that died, it's his birthday. It's birthday. Okay, so the, one of the first things I did as a pastor was to bury my own son. <laughs> first things. One of the first things I did as a pastor, not even a year into ministry, and I buried my son. Okay, so does death hold you? Like I was telling him, he is 20, he was 1996, May the 30th, he died. So he is 25 years old. Yeah, math is good. 25 years old. Do you think about him as a dead boy? No. You think of him as a young man. 25-year-old young man. Okay. A 25-year-old young man. He's not a, he's not a dead baby. <laughs> he's a young man. Okay. How do you know? <laughs> because it is written. It is written. Is he going to come back to you? No. Are you going to go to him? You should know. Okay. This is the what you call the 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 strength, the encouragement of scripture. Scripture for us is the word of God. Simply the word of God. Hell can blow over, we'll stand on what is written. God has said, God has spoken, we stand on it. Okay, we stand. We don't buckle under pressure. We don't buckle under pressure. 
Church should never, never buckle under pressure. We stand strong. And what God told Gideon, it's true for all of us. Come baby, pray.